Welcome to the Employment Hour. We are here. We're ready to uh, take your calls. Well, the call the will uh, grab as well. one 821 5900 That's the number to call them outside of show hours to answer all of your questions. Lee, uh, well, email is also a good option as well. Lior, L-I-O-R at employmenthour.com. As we get through the hour, we'll cover a bunch of topics, and we always start each show with the week that was some real-life cases and things that have come across uh, your firm and your desk in the last little while. That's right, John, and welcome to all our listeners. Happy to be back here to talk about employment law and workplace rights and everything in between. Always like to start off with a couple of uh, cases just to give people a flavor of some of the issues that others are facing because you may be in that exact same situation, and I think there's always some important lessons to be, uh, to be learned. In the first case, uh, I spoke with the gentleman this past uh, Wednesday. Uh, he had called me because his employment had been terminated. Now, this gentleman would, uh, would have worked for the company for over 30 years. He was 60 years old. So this would be what I would call an expensive termination. In other words, he'd be entitled to significant compensation, about two years' pay. And, you know, for an employer, of course, that's going to be a lot of money. Well, apparently, his employer realized that, realized that it's going to be an expensive, uh, quote-unquote, termination. And what this employer did is he told the employee, well, the company is now out of business. The company now no, has no money. Essentially, the company is bankrupt. Okay, except when I'm talking more to this gentleman, I'm learning that the company actually may well, the company was working for, let's call it XYZ Inc., mm-hmm. is uh, gone. But XYZ Inc. number two is now operating with the same employees, same clients, same contracts. It's just called number two. Right. Uh, because this employer felt that by starting a new company, adding the number two at the, uh, at the end, it can, it's a new company, it can avoid paying this gentleman the severance because he was terminated by the first company. Hashtag loophole. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wouldn't that be something, John, if, if that would be so, so easy to avoid yeah. paying severance? I, I can assure you 90% of people wouldn't be getting severance if Target it was that two. easy. Target 2. Target yeah. 2.0. Well, exactly. Sorry, you were working for Target. Target 2 is the employer. So No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, the law is a lot smarter than that, uh, as am I. And because of that, uh, in, in reality, the fact that now the company is now a new legal entity formally on paper with the number two at the end, with the same company, same employee, same owner, same everything, doesn't change the fact. So this is not a way to avoid paying this person what he is owed. Uh, this person now still has a claim against the new company because it's in essence the same employer. Uh, and you cannot avoid paying your uh, liabilities or paying your the severance that you're you owe uh, in in that fashion. Now, if the company was bankrupt, uh, that's different. If it was a legitimate bankruptcy, no more operations, then this person may be out of luck. But this person is going to get two years pay and his employer, who probably thought he was very clever, uh, is going to find out uh, maybe maybe not so clever. Uh, So uh, very, very good news for this person when he actually thought that he's out of luck and then he can't get anything. Did did they do this whole fiasco just for this one employee just for this one employee because every single other employee every other employee is still working for the number two company everyone because this person would cost them a lot of money to terminate you know we're talking into the six figures right to avoid paying that big check except they haven't avoided it now the second situation uh, similar but uh, but different uh, I, I received a call from a gentleman who had told me that he had worked for a company for a year and he was offered two months pay. Now, two months may have been a bit on the low end, but it wasn't outrageous or ridiculous for him. So, so I'm, I'm asking some questions. But when I talk to him and I ask a few more questions, we spend a few minutes uh, together on the phone, I find out that there's a lot more to this story. 
In fact, what happened is this company he was working for had bought his previous employer, who he had worked for for 10 years. Uh-huh. So he started with this new employer a year ago uh, when the, 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 the sale of a business. But really, he had almost 11 years total of service. And what he didn't know, and apparently his new employer did not know, is that service is continuous whenever there's a sale of a business. So when they terminated him now, they didn't terminate a one-year employee. They terminated an 11-year employee. Cha-ching. So he's going to be owed somewhere north of 12 months of compensation. So the lesson here is very important, and, and we've talked about this on the show before many times, John, and that is with the sale of a business, when the employee continues working after the business is sold, continues working with the buyer, seniority carries through. So if you're, you've had 10 years with the previous company, your company is sold, you start working with the buyer, you're now a 10-year employee on day one, and if and when your employment is terminated, uh, that has to be accounted for. Of course, in some cases, and our listeners should be very mindful of that, when the business is sold, the new employer may want the employee to sign an employment agreement, mm-hmm. which tries to limit the amount of future severance that they would get. So if you're in a, that situation, your business is sold, you're being an offer, offered a job by the buyer, if there's a written agreement you have to sign, please don't sign until I see it. Let me see it. Let me tell you if there's anything in there that's problematic for you. Maybe we can make some changes to it because uh, it's very important. You don't want your, your previous seniority to somehow get eliminated. It could cost you thousands of dollars, Oh, right? forget thousands, tens of thousands or yeah. more. It, it yeah. could be significant. So think about it this guy. The difference between one month's pay and a year's pay for him right. was $65,000. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and it's not because I say he gets it. That's what the law provides for him. Luckily, he did not sign an agreement that limited his future severance, so he should be able to get the full amount, no problem. We're going to get into termination severance, and we'll start off at that point, how employers can minimize the damage. Uh, first, we'll take a break. The number is one 821 5900 That's to get a hold of Lior anytime. And Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to some emails this hour as well. The Employment Hour right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Back with more of the Employment Hour. The t- number to get a hold of Lior is 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. That's L-I-O-R at employmenthour.com. We'll get to your emails as they come through uh, this hour. First, I mentioned we'll get into this uh, this hour, at least uh, termination and severance. Get back to this one we were talking about in your week that was a couple of cases where employers uh, tried to let employees go and didn't realize they uh, they had to cough up a little more than they thought. So I'll start with this one. How can uh, How can an employer minimize the cost of severance that has to pay an employee. Yeah, and John, we often talk about things on the show from the perspective of the employee, but I think it's also important to keep things in mind from the employer's perspective. If you're the employer and you may ask the legitimate question, how can I legally and appropriately limit the amount of severance that I have to pay? How do I cap that obligation? Because I don't necessarily want to find out that if I need to make a change in my business because the business needs it, it's going to cost me $150,000 to do. And, you know, we talked in the week that was about a couple of illegitimate or illegal ways to do it. Mm -hmm. So how do we do it legally? What's the best ways for employers to reduce future liability? Now, the, probably the best, the most effective way is to have the employees enter into an employment agreement before they start working that stipulates how much severance they would get in the future. And, and by way of that agreement, the employer has the ability to limit the amount of severance that in the future would have to get paid. So if you sign an employment agreement with your employee before the employee starts that says, uh, on termination, we're only going to have to pay you a week's pay for every year of service. Well, that's what's going to happen. And you're not going to find out that you're going to have to pay 10 times that, uh, which is what would happen if you didn't sign. 
So the most the, the most important thing for an employer wanting to minimize uh, severance in the future, wanting to legally uh, legally do it, they have to enter into an employment agreement. Now, a lot of employers either don't enter into an employment agreement or enter into one that's not well drafted and it doesn't actually have the legal effect that's of, what I was of gonna terminating. Ask, yeah. It has to be drafted in a very specific way. And if it doesn't meet all the check marks, then it's not going to be enforceable and it's not going to have the effect that you want it to. So it's very important to have someone that knows what, what, what he's doing or she's doing to draft it for you, that it meets all the legal requirements and legal tests. And, and if you're not sure if you have an employment agreement that's enforceable, give me a call. I'll tell you in about 30 seconds. So that's probably the best way, one of the most effective ways uh, at all uh, to, to uh, minim- uh, limit uh, future severance. So what kind of checks are you talking about to make it, to make it ironclad? Well, in, in order for a termination provision like that to be enforceable, it cannot breach the Employment Standards Act in any uh, shape or form. So if I were to say, uh, employee, I'm only going to give you three days severance per year of service, well, that can't be enforceable because that's less than my minimum entitlements mm-hmm. under the Employment Standards Act. It also, for example, has to provide for benefits to be continued for a period of time. If it doesn't do that, it's not enforceable. There's a number of these little uh, uh, rules that they have to follow in order for it to be enforceable. And I can't tell you how many times I see employers getting it wrong or not having proper updated contracts. A contract that was good 20 years ago may not be good, probably isn't good today because the law changes and the legal requirements change. So we talked about that. Another way an employer can limit future uh, severance uh, or limit the amount of it has to pay is giving notice instead of severance. Mm -hmm. So if you owe an employee 12 months on termination, well, what if you told the employee, I'm going to give you 12 months working notice? So at that point, you still have to pay them for 12 months, but at least you're getting something in return. You're getting them working and doing their job, and, and there's some value that you're getting back. Now, that doesn't work necessarily for everyone. I mean, you may not want someone there for another 12 months or however long if you terminate employment. But for many employers, that could be a a good uh, solution. Or you could do a combination. If you owe someone 12 months, you can say, here's six months notice. I'm telling you today that in six months, I'm letting you go. And then I'm going to pay you for six months. So six and six together is 12. Mm -hmm. That's just one example. So another way an an employer can can limit uh, the amount it has to pay is with notice. The the, the last way that I'll mention that an employer can potentially limit how much it has to pay is by offering a lump sum payment. So using my example where the employer has to pay 12 months pay. Well, the employer can say, I'm going to pay you for 12 months, John, but if you find another job during that 12 months, I'll stop paying you. Or the employer can say, tell you what, employee, I'll pay you for eight months as a lump sum payment, no strings attached. Because that employee may think, well, you know what? Eight months of guaranteed income may be better for me than 12 months with a contingency. Yeah, because if I find work in a month, I'm double dipping. Really, I'm do- right? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, you may be able, by, by leveraging a lump sum payment, you may be able to actually uh, reach a deal, a, a termination deal, a severance deal that's better than what you would otherwise have to pay. So a couple of ways uh, for employers to keep in mind. What's the drawback with offering notice if you keep the employee hanging around? Well, it depends. In some situations, depending on why the employee is let go, if the employee is being let go because he or she is a jerk, well, you may not want the jerk hanging around. (laughs) For sure. Uh, That's one. If the employee is being let go, you may be worried, wait a second, is is he going to sabotage? Is there going to be, he's going to reveal confidential information? Is he going to be a downer to everyone else? So I may want to take that you know, bad attitude maybe out of the yeah. workplace. So so those could be reasons uh, for employers. If you think, if the employer feels that this employee is going to continue working and do a great job, if they are given notice, 
I don't see any reason why an employer cannot give notice. Obviously, for the employee, if we have our employee hat on, an employee in most cases, I would think, would rather get paid yes. and not get noticed for, for obvious reasons. Yeah. We'll take a short break. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's to get a hold of Lior an hour when the show's over as well. And Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll kick off with an email and get back into termination severance discussion. More of the employment hour coming up on Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. And back with more of the employment hour, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's Lior's direct number and Lior at employmenthour.com is the email, which I will get to right now for you to answer. We'll get back into our discussion of termination and severance. Matthew writes in, says I uh, showed up to work on Friday. I was called into a meeting and was handed a termination letter. No reason was given for letting me go, and when I asked, uh, nothing was said. I've been with the company for four years and never had any problems. Can they do that? Yeah, and you know, I, I love this question because yeah. most people that are let go, that's the question that they have. How dare. Well, exactly. What's yeah. Matthew asking? Matthew is not asking, what am I owed? Matthew is asking, can they do that? Is letting me go in this situation, not telling me why, I've done nothing wrong, is that even legal? Because most people, they lose their job, they, they don't expect it, and they think, wait a second, why is that happening? That cannot be legal. So, so let me answer that you know, once and for all and make it clear uh, for Matthew and everyone else listening. It is legal. You know, whether we like it or not or agree with it from an ethical standpoint, from a legal standpoint, John, an employer is allowed to terminate an employee uh, for no reason or without a good reason. Uh, as long as it pays proper severance, okay? So whether or not Matthew is a great employee or not so great, whether he was warned or not, whether the employer told him why or it didn't tell him why, the, his employer is allowed to let him go as long as Matthew gets paid full severance. Now, the unfortunate part, and which is why we often talk about this on the show, is that the employer is not going to offer proper severance because the employer may not know better or hopes the employee does not know better. And when the employer does not pay proper severance, that's a wrongful dismissal. So the real question for Matthew is, did his employer offer him what he's owed? Now, he hasn't given me all the information to assess his entitlements, namely his age, position, length of employment. But I encourage him to call me or go to severancepaycalculator.com so he can find out exactly what he's owed and compare that with what his employer has offered him. So, I mean, we, we've often made this case about this, and it can be something as, as silly and asinine as, you know, for instance, you know, Scotty, our producer here, I look over, I don't like the color of his tie. If I was his boss, I could, because I don't like his tie, I could let him go. You absolutely right? could let him go, because the law doesn't protect employment uh, because of the color of one's tie or, or the car that you drive. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you couldn't let him go if he had a medical condition or because of his race or ethnicity for a discriminatory reason. But uh, short of discrimination, you can let someone go for any reason at any time as long as you pay them what you owe them. You just take care of yourself in the back end, make sure you get the bucks you're supposed That's to get, it. right? That's yeah. it. And in most cases, the amount of severance you're offered is actually significant. It's enough in many cases to bridge you until you find a new job. So upon severance, what happens to the employment insurance? So, uh, you know, obviously, if you lost your job without cause, without cause meaning because not because of any great misconduct, you're entitled to EI, employment insurance, what used to be called unemployment insurance. Right. Uh, and the, and the, the question is, wait a second, my employer is going to pay me my severance. Let's say he's, the employer is paying me five months severance, whatever gotcha. it is. Well, do I get EI? How do I get EI? So the rule is that you cannot have severance and EI for the same period of time. Mm-hmm. So if you lost your job today, your employer is paying you five months severance, you can't get EI for that five months. You can't have income from two sources, from EI and another source, for the same period of time. So what happens with EI, you would have to apply now. And once the severance runs out, let's say in five months, using my example, if you have yet to find another job, 
that's when you start getting EI and you can get it for another year. Uh, so EI only comes in after the severance money runs out. So you would have to report that income to EI. Often it would be reported on the record of employment. Mm-hmm. The employer is going to say, you're getting paid X amount of severance. Now, where it could get a bit more interesting is in situations where you, you qualify for EI, you start getting EI, but the severance does not get paid till later. For example, we negotiate your severance with your employer. We reach a deal uh, a few weeks after you've already started getting EI, okay. and that's when the money comes in. So what happens? Well, at that point, we'd have to report that money to EI. We'll have to tell EI, EI, guess what? Now my employer has paid me that five months pay. EI may have to get repaid some of the money that they paid you initially, mm-hmm. but all that would do is it would extend the EI you on the back on end. It? Yes, it would mm-hmm. extend it. So you still get the same amount of EI if you're unemployed. Okay. It would just extend it. Because the rule, remember, is, John, you cannot have EI and severance for the same period of time. Okay, two questions. Does the EI then kick in after the five months? So is it, you get a year EI. So is it a year minus five months because you've already been unemployment, or is it a year after the five months? A year months? after the five months, if okay. you're still unemployed for that long. Okay. So, so if you, you can start getting the one year after the severance runs out. Gotcha. If it runs after five months, you get another year after that. If the severance is 10 months, again, another year after that, as long as you're still unemployed. Okay, so you can't receive a concurrent payment. I get that. What happens if you get a lump sum as your uh, severance? Well, EI is still going to take that lump sum and and turn it into week space. So gotcha. if my employer is paying me uh, $40,000, which translates to five months of, of income, then EI is going to do gotcha. the math and determine that that's five months, and that's when the EI comes in. It's a simple mathematical yeah. calculation. Can't get around that way. No. Sorry, no. it's not their first rodeo. No, no not unfortunate. They're a bit smarter than that. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and the government, for some reason, always wants their money back. I don't yeah, know what that weird. is. one 855 and Lior at com for email. Uh, is it likely that an employee can successfully negotiate severance with a very large employer, like a bank or a big car manufacturer or otherwise? You know, and, and that's always the question that I get asked. You know, you, Lior, you, you've told me I'm owed more severance. I'm working for this massive, gigantic corporation. Uh, what are the chances of actually being able to get them to improve it? Well, in reality, it's actually much easier. I've always found with large companies. Large companies, generally, you don't have to worry about ability to pay. Or if you're dealing with uh, Bob's grocery store, mm-hmm. you may be owed a lot more severance, but if Bob doesn't have the money to pay it... Or an HR department to deal right, with it. Right, then that's yeah. a problem. Well, the nice thing about a large employer, number one, they generally have the financial means to pay, generally. But they also have sophisticated HR people, as you've just mentioned. They have lawyers. So they'll understand what their legal obligations are. And if you, call, if you catch them, quote unquote, uh, in a situation where they've paid inadequate severance, it's actually much easier to get them to improve it. So I, I, I actually like dealing with large companies rather than very small companies uh, because they know how to deal with it. They're very efficient, and it's very, very easy to, to resolve it. But the flip side of that, please don't ever assume for all our listeners is just because you've been let go by a big company that the severance that they've offered you is adequate. You may think, well, they must know what they're doing. They're a right. big company. So I, I don't even need to think about it. I'm sure the severance is fine. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It's just as likely to be inadequate for many reasons, which we don't even need to get into. But the only way you can know if you got proper severance is not to assume that the employer is doing what it's supposed to, is by getting legal advice, using the severance calculator. That's the only way. We'll continue with another email. We'll get into uh, illness when you're on severance as well. one 821 5900 is Lior's number. His email is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 
Employment Hour right here. You have questions, you can email us, Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to one after I ask this next question. That was uh, the way I left off the last segment. Uh, what if an employer that is let go becomes sick or injured and can't look for a job? Does that impact the severance? Yeah, you know, we, we always talk, John, about the main factors uh, that uh, come into play when assessing severance as age, position, and the type of job that you have. But there's other factors. And one of them is the employee's ability or inability to mm-hmm. look for work. So if at the time of termination you're sick or you have a medical condition that prevents you or makes it more difficult to look for work, either you can't work or you're, you're in a situation where you're, you're walking with a cane and it's yeah. going to be hard for you to get places and in interviews or you know, what are the chances of me going to an interview and being hired if I show up there in my wheelchair? Uh, if that's the case, that actually has an upwards impact on the amount of severance that you get because it's going to take you longer to find another job. So yes, it's absolutely a fact that if you're in a situation that for whatever reason it's going to take you longer to find another job, that increases severance. There could be other reasons why that could happen. For example, maybe you're working at an industry where there's just not a lot of jobs. Uh, You know, you're you're in in an industry or in a time in an economy where there are no jobs now uh, for you which means it's going to take you longer to find another job than it would otherwise. So guess what? A bad economy could actually mean more well, severance no kidding. because it's going to take you longer to find another job. Email right here. Jordan says, I was let go after an employee said that I harassed him. That is not true. And the company didn't do an investigation. I was never asked about it. The company said it had cause and then I get no severance. I don't think that's fair, is it? No, it's absolutely not fair. Uh, certainly an employer has an obligation to investigate and uh, determine what actually happened. In many cases, they would have to bring an outside investigator uh, because there, there's uh, those of us out there that specialize in investigating these types of matters, know what to do, how, what questions to ask, what questions not to ask, etc. But bottom line, whether the employer does it itself or, or uh, the employer hires someone to do it, the employer has to investigate and only when the investigation concludes and only if they gave the, the, the person that's accused of harassing the opportunity to respond, right. to give his or her side of the story, then they can make a decision. You cannot take someone's word for it uh, unless you can corroborate that in- independently and conduct an investigation. So even though an employer has an active duty to protect employees from harassment, from harassment, from violence in the workplace, they cannot exercise that obligation by simply saying, well, I was told you harassed someone, you're out of here. They have to investigate. It's not, uh, not as simple as just uh, uh, telling someone to leave. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is Lior's number. Lior at employmenthour.com. If you want to shoot us an email this hour, you know a lot of people work sales, whether it's straight commission or uh, you know draw plus commission. So what happens to a person's compensation? How does it change? You know if their if their compensation changes from year to year, how do you calculate it? Yeah, so you know it's very easy to calculate severance. If I make a salary of sixty thousand dollars, it's very easy to calculate what severance is because it's. $60,000, whatever the number of months, we, we, do a, we get our calculator out and do some uh, arithmetic and we're done. But what happens if my compensation gets changed from year to year? Maybe because I get different bonuses every year or maybe because I get commissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one year I may make 60, the next year I'll make 100, the year after that I'll make uh, 55. Uh, what happens then? Well, the idea behind severance is to put the person in the same financial position as if they had continued working for the relevant period of time. So if you're, you're owed 12 months severance, what we're trying to do is try to assess what would happen if you had worked, how much money would you have made? Now, we don't have a crystal ball, so we don't know what would happen if you'd continued working. So what do we do in those situations? We have to look at an average. So if you're uh, making 51 year, 80 another, 140, et cetera, we need to 
to make an, do an average, usually we'd go at a, th- at a three-year average unless there's a good reason to look at a shorter period of time or a longer period of time. Uh, and on that average, we'd calculate uh, what uh, severance should be. So we do a three-year average. If that three-year gives us 67500 then that's the figure we're going to use to calculate severance. It's, it's as simple as that because simply there's just no better way to do it. And with all that goes the rest of the compensation, your benefits, bonuses, Absolutely. whatever, all this medical. And, and for the purpose of severance, by the way, an employee has to continue benefits. So ideally, the severance would say, okay, we'll pay you for 12 months and continue your benefits for 12 months. In some situation, if the employer can't or won't continue benefits, we simply would negotiate an additional amount in lieu of the benefits. Oftentimes, that can be calculated as 10% of salary. So if salary is 67000 uh, and we need to pay severance for a year, we may add on another $6,700 on account of benefits. Why would the company not want to continue with, uh, with benefits like that? Well, uh, oftentimes, uh, it's not even so much the company. It's the insurance company not uh, allowing them or, or saying we're going to charge you a lot of money to continue benefits for someone that's not working. Right. Or if the company is putting a lump, uh, paying a lump sum payment and taking someone off payroll, it may be difficult to still continue benefits. So there could be several administrative reasons, uh, depending on who the employer is and what kind of benefits plan they have, as to why they may not want to or be able to continue benefits. But that does not relieve them from the obligation of continuing benefits. So that's why we often negotiate an additional dollar amount. A lot of people don't even pursue it once they get a, a you know the pink slip because they think there's there's risks in trying to negotiate better severance. Is there? You know, and and probably one of the main reasons why people don't pursue it. Uh, well, the main reason is probably people don't think that they they're owed more, which is wrong. But pro- probably the second biggest reason people are worried about the risk. And the risk usually is my employer's offered me three months severance. You're telling me, Leo, I should be getting six months severance. But by working with you to improve it, am I going to lose what they've offered me or am I risking losing what they've offered me? The answer to that in almost every case is a resounding no. You will not lose, or, uh, lose it. You will not uh, risk losing it. And, and, and the reason for that is very simple. If you're owed six months severance but you've been offered three, what's that three represent? The three represents a great deal for your employer. So they would love for you to accept that great, great deal, whether it's today, tomorrow, or next year, mm-hmm. because it's a great deal. So that deal, for what it's worth, is not going anywhere. You're not going to lose what your employer is offering you. If you're owed more, we're going to be negotiating the amounts over and above what you've been offered. So there's really no risk in that sense, uh, and that's not something anyone should be concerned about. one 855 821-5900 is the number to get hold of Lior and Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to some more emails and uh, more points about employee discipline. Uh-oh, we'll get into this one as we uh, come back from the break here on the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Back in with the Employment Hour, one 821 5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll talk very shortly about severancepaycalculator.com. We'll wait for you to do some, uh, some quick math and discovery at the comfort of your own home. You can do it in your house code if you'd like. I'll get to uh, one more email here, my friend, and that email comes to us from Cheryl in Peterborough. says, can my employer require me to accept a demotion where I we, uh, would be reporting to a person that previously reported to me? Yeah, no, very, very good question. And obviously, uh, an employer does not have the right to unilaterally change the terms of employment in a significant way. And if it's a demotion, if it's a real demotion, one where we have less responsibilities, less prestigious of a job, maybe taking away managerial responsibilities that we would otherwise have, that's a significant change. 
So if that's what's happening to Cheryl, she doesn't have to accept the change. And if the employer is insisting on implementing the change in any event, she could treat that as a constructive dismissal, leave, and require her employer to pay her her full severance. Now, what I don't necessarily know based on the question that we've been asked is, other than the fact that she's going to be reporting to someone that she previously uh, that, that previously reported to her, what else has changed in the job? Right. Is it really a demotion for her or more of a promotion for the other person? So I'd want to know more about the job itself, what's changed, to understand that it's really an actual demotion. Uh, so I would encourage Cheryl to give us a call and, and, and let me speak to her. Uh, and for our listeners, if you're in a, a what I call a constructive dismissal situation uh, where the terms of your employment are being changed for the worse, I don't want anyone out there resigning, quitting before they speak to me. You don't just say, oh, it's a constructive, I'm resigning. Because if you get it wrong, that's an actual resignation mm-hmm. and you don't get anything. So you, no one resigns before they speak to me. What if they did that to her? Uh, they did the old switcheroonie with the person that was now below her, was a subordinate, but they kept her pay the same. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's, when we're talking about a demotion, usually, not always, we think about also lesser salary. So there could be a demotion where I used to be a manager, I'm not a manager, uh, I'm reporting to someone that was a subordinate to me, I'm uh, less prestigious of a job, but I still make the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. That could still be absolutely a demotion and a constructive dismissal. Yeah. So really would want to know uh, all, all the factors. But if, if you're now also making less money, it's even that much more straightforward. Let's talk about employee discipline here. First of all, when, when is it appropriate for an employer to discipline an employee? Yeah, and what's appropriate is to discipline an employee uh, when the employee does something that contravenes the employer's uh, policies, code of conduct, or the expectations that the employer has of the employee. So when an employee does something that's unacceptable based on what we expect from our employees in the workplace, that's when we can discipline them. But there has to be conduct that we can try to correct. And why do I say that? Uh, I was recently actually uh, contacted by my uh, sister-in-law. And uh, in a situation, she works for, uh, for a large company, which I'm not going to mention. And she had a medical condition. And she had to be off work uh, for a couple of weeks because of that medical condition. Nothing serious, thankfully. Well, when she came back, the employer, the empl- and the employer knew about it. They had all the information from the doctor. said, well, because you were absent for two weeks, we're going to discipline you. We're going to give you a warning for being absent from work. But that's nonsense. What are you trying to discipline? What conduct are you trying to correct here? Don't dare be sick again. I mean, what? what, what? <laughs> How so, dare you say? Well, I was going to be sick, but now that I've been disciplined, I'm not going to be sick anymore. Yeah. So that's nonsense. So that type of conduct, you can't discipline because the employee actually has done nothing wrong. So when the employee does do something wrong, not only is it important to discipline, in many cases, it's actually the right thing legally that an employer should be doing. I was going to say, why is it so important? Can they just let it go? Can they just like say, don't do it again? Well, first of all, from running a business, if you're letting go conduct that you're considered to be unacceptable, well, guess what? You're going to have a lot more unacceptable conduct in the workplace, uh, and that's not going to be good for your business. But there's other reasons. If you have uh, an employee that's engaging in conduct that's unacceptable, uh, by disciplining them, you're going to do two things. Either you're going to be able to correct the behavior, and now you have a good employee instead of a, a bad employee. But just as important is if the employee doesn't get it and continues the bad conduct, you may then be able to potentially terminate them for cause without severance. Because you gave them a chance, because you engage in prior discipline and they you were built a warned, record. you built that record, right. exactly, rather than, well, now we decided we don't like what you've been doing for the last year. We never talked to you about it before, but now we've, we don't like it, so we're letting you go for cause. That doesn't work. So it's very important to discipline, to build that record, to potentially be able to terminate someone for cause down the road. one 821 Lior at employmenthour.com. So how should an employer go about 
issuing or, 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 or you know, pursuing discipline? Well, discipline is only valid or effective, I should say, is if there's a record of it. So I'm not too big on, on verbal warnings, to be honest with you, because it's going to be very difficult to establish that a warning was provided. So if I give you a verbal warning uh, and six months from now I want to let you go, and I say, well, I gave you a word, verbal warning six months ago, you're probably going to say, no, you didn't, or I don't remember what was said, what wasn't said. So a uh, uh, discipline has to have a record. So if you're going to discipline someone in writing, so a warning is fine. Uh, if you're going to put someone on a performance improvement plan, which is a form of discipline, Again, in writing, if you're going to suspend someone, again, we always want to have a record of that. Now, the employee doesn't necessarily have to accept it in the sense that we don't necessarily have to have the employee accept the discipline as long as we have a record that the employee received it. So when I tell employers, send the, uh, the warning letters by email or maybe have them sign that they've accepted it. Not mm-hmm. that they agreed with it. I don't care if they agreed with it, just that they've accepted it. So uh, that's how you discipline. And the, generally, the measures that are available to you to discipline mm-hmm. are, are warnings, suspensions, and performance improvement plans. And suspensions, John, by the way, John, need to be paid suspension. An unpaid suspension could be a constructive dismissal. So if you put someone on an unpaid suspension as a form of discipline, what you may have done without even realizing it is let them go. Now you have to pay them severance. So wow. uh, generally, an unpaid suspension is a constructive dismissal, whereas a paid suspension, for the most part, is an appropriate disciplinary measure. And on the flip side, the employee should also keep record of everything as well, just in case it comes down to a, to a battle for, for severance, right? Well, yeah. If you're an employee and you believe that you're, uh, the employer is building a case against you, yep. they've disciplined, they're building this record, well, guess what? You need to build your own record if you disagree with what they're doing gotcha. or what you've been accused of. Have anything you can to corroborate your side of the story because you may need that if your employer at some point lets you go. one 821 and employmenthour.com. Take a short break. We'll wrap it up here with another segment and more information you need to know as an employee or an employer on the Employment Hour right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Back with more of the Employment Hour, one 821 5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. Anytime you want to call them, that's the number outside of show hours and that's the email address as well. We're talking about uh, disciplining employees. So at what point, after all the stuff we've talked about this hour, what point can an employer say, all right, Enough is enough. You're out of here, son. Yeah, and you know that that's all ultimately the the, the the magic question, and that is, we've disciplined this person. Uh, we've gone through the steps. He or she is not getting it. Can we finally now let them go? When is enough is enough? When do we have to continue? Uh, giving discipline, or when can we just pull the trigger? So every situation is different. It does depend on the type of misconduct that's at issue. Uh, the more serious a misconduct, in, uh, the less you have to to grin and bear it. Uh, the more trivial the misconduct, the more you have to grin and bear it. Usually, is if you're gonna, you know, insist on a kind of a rule of thumb, I would want to have at least three disciplinary measures before we terminate for cause. So three warnings or uh, two warnings and a suspension or what have you. So I can show three things before we've, uh, we've terminated for cause. Now, it's also very important whenever we discipline someone, whether it's a warning or a suspension, uh, that we make it very clear, and again in writing, John, that if this conduct continues, any further incidents could result in the termination of your employment for cause. The idea is that if the employee is let go for cause, uh, then they shouldn't be surprised by that. They should have been warned. They should have known that that's going to be the ultimate uh, thing that's going to happen if they don't improve. Now, the flip side of that for the employee, so if you've been let go for a cause, 
uh, and you don't have on, the, on your record those three warnings or three disciplinary measures, then you've probably been wrongfully dismissed. You're owed severance. That would not be a for-cause termination. But also, it, just because you've been warned three times does not necessarily make it cause. There could be several reasons. Maybe the, the misconduct itself is trivial, but maybe the discipline itself was not legitimate. Maybe you didn't do what you were accused of doing. Uh, maybe uh, you, you were accused of not uh, meeting targets, but it had really nothing to do with you. There were external forces okay. at play. happens all the time. So it's not as simple as to say, well, three warnings, termination. It's a lot more involved than that. But we certainly uh, want to see uh, some discipline before we terminate for cause. Now, of course, John, if the employee is guilty of very significant misconduct, so if they've stolen or if they hit someone or if they sexually assaulted someone, then they can and they should be let go for cause immediately, obviously, as long as you can show that they've done it. You don't have to provide three chances Mm -hmm. to someone that that is hitting people in the workplace. In fact, if you do that, that could be a big problem. So that's why I always say that the type of misconduct is key. And it should always, you know, if you're, if you're going to battle this and go against, you should get yourself an employment lawyer because this doesn't sound like a battle you want to take on your yeah, own. Yeah, right? you, know, you know, we talk about rule of, rules of thumb, John. The rule of thumb should be this. If you have been let go for cause, you should always seek an employment lawyer, even, even if you did something wrong or a few things wrong. Because the standard of terminating for cause is so high, because it's so difficult to terminate for cause, any person that has been let go for cause should get legal advice, should give me a call. Because in many cases, in most cases that I see, uh, unfortunately, employers pull the trigger on the termination for cause way before they should. SeverancePayCalculator.com. Well, you know, we talked about calculating severance at the top of the show. We talk about it every show. Uh, people call me with questions about how much severance every day, and they email me every hour. Uh, and the question is always, well, guess what, Lior? Uh, I was let go today. I have a severance offer, and I have no idea if it's appropriate. I've gone to the Ministry of Labor website, or maybe I called my Uncle Bob, who uh, used to work in HR 20 years ago before he retired, and I want to know how much severance I should be getting. Well, uh, to make it easy for people and accessible and, and, and you know, in- anonymous and not intimidating, I created the severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com. Uh, it's, it's a great tool, I, if I do say so myself, uh, because nothing like that exists out mm-hmm. there. And until we created it, John, you'd have to uh, pay a lawyer to, to find out how much severance you're owed. So we made it simple. You go to severancepaycalculator.com, or you can download the app on iPhone, iPad, and Android. And you enter the length of your employment, your age, and your position. Anonymous, you don't have to put your name or anything like that. And it's going to tell you right there how much severance you're, you should be getting. Three months, six months, 12 months, whatever the amount is. And then now you know. So maybe you've just wondered, now you know. Or alternatively, uh, if you have a severance package and you don't know if it's adequate, again, severancepaycalculator.com, it gives you an idea right there whether your package is appropriate. And if you, after you do that, if you do want to contact me, there's a little green button there. You press it, and you can contact me directly from the, uh, from the website. So, you know, it's very important. Tell your friends. If someone you know has been let go, you don't have to tell them to call Lior if you don't want to, but tell them to go to severancepaycalculator.com. They really need to do that. It's cool just to check out so you know if and when in the future, uh, you know, the, uh, the hammer drops. You know, you know what's coming down your way. Right? I know you did that, John. Yes, I did. <laughs> How about uh, terminationquestions.com in the last minute here? Yeah, so very quickly, John, before we go off the air, uh, we've, we've made it easier for people to ask questions, terminationquestions.com. Uh, I always look at it, and uh, others look at it as an extension of this radio program. Uh, we go off the air in a couple of minutes. If you have questions after that, uh, or on the weekend or at night or during the week, 
Go to terminationquestions.com. Ask your question anonymously right there on the website. Uh, and myself or someone in my office is going to answer the question uh, within, uh, within a few minutes usually. We're very good at it. There's no bad questions. So anyone can go to terminationquestions.com. I believe people should know their rights. That's why I created that website. And there's a ton there already. If you're probably from the drop-down menu, it's probably been asked. Hundreds right? and hundreds of questions. So you, know, you can get a master's degree in employment law just yeah, by right. going through that website and finding out a lot of uh, things about employment law. So again, terminationquestions.com. We'll take it for another week. We return back Wednesday night live at 7 o'clock here on AM640. In the meantime, you want to get a hold of Lior, 1-855-821-5900. And the email is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM640 and AM900 CHML.